are dancing, dancing, dancing in a toxic work environment. Wow, we've all worked in them. They're always uncomfortable and it's always a terrible experience. And so many companies every year lose employees because their workplace is not a positive place to be. So this week I'm bringing in Candace May of Candace May's Training and Services and uh, coaching, leadership development, consulting, to talk about leadership, to talk about the role of leadership in these toxic work environments and how to turn it around. We also talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about all kinds of things related to effective leadership. So if you're in a leadership role, whether it's at work or at home, even, you know, this is my thing about leaders. It's not just managers who are leaders. Everybody can be a leader. Sometimes you have to lead your boss or your customers or your family. <laughs> so listen in here, dance in the discomfort zone with me and Candace May as we talk about the challenges that come with a bully boss, as she refers to it, and what you can think about as you're trying to turn your workplace around. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ann Bonnie, your host. Enjoy this episode of Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. We are Dancing in the Discomfort Zone today with Candace May. She's the founder of Candace May Training and Services, a leadership development and a coaching service company. Candace May, how are you doing today? I'm great, Ann. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And you, you, I think, if I understand you correctly, you started this work or, well, you started this work when it was relevant to you personally, when you had a boss who was a bully. Is that right? Well, I started this work long before that, but this was an opportunity when I had a, a what I call a bully boss to actually... Um, step back and analyze the situation and address it and make recommendations for growth there. Yes. Yeah. So, and now most of what you focus on from a leadership standpoint is toxic workplaces and working with HR teams to help alleviate that, right? Well, I move good to great. Uh, I move, but I do, if there's challenge areas, that would be my specialty to be able to help them integrate it. It's, it's not, the leadership has to be willing to do the work, right? They have to value people. You can't turn around a culture from toxic to health unless they're willing to do the work. Got it. So how do you work with organizations to, to make that happen? Because, you know, a lot of people do work in toxic workplaces. It's really uncomfortable and people lose a lot of companies, lose a lot of employees uh, because of it. That's right. People don't leave companies. They leave bad bosses. So... <laughs> So I would go in and, and talk with um, HR or the executive team, depending on who brings me in, kind of get a feel for the organization and what's happening. Usually set up some individual coaching and allow, allow a 360 evaluation to occur so we can get feedback from all angles of the people that they work with so that we can see the blind spots and get candid feedback. This Great. sometimes will help people understand how others are seeing them. When we have somebody who's toxic, oftentimes they'll treat the scene, the leadership above them differently than they treat the people that they work with or their subordinates. So having the 360 really brings more to light. And, and do you find that with bully bosses specifically that often it is just a lack of self-awareness and an awareness of the way people are being uh, sort of the way they're being perceived? 
sometimes people can be uh, a bully and not realize they are. That is true. Uh, having, having an awareness of how others are perceiving you is important. I think developing their emotional intelligence is even more important because they have to have, as you say, the self-awareness of how they're coming across, maybe what is happening internally to them if someone is triggering them in a certain way um, because of prior experience. You know, when we, when we go through life, we have a filter in which we see the world and how we interpret everything, right? And it's based on our prior experiences and our understandings and our hidden belief systems. So, okay, yeah. So where does some of that bully boss behavior come from then? I mean, I always like to try to build a little uh, empathy for people who are who may <laughs> trigger me and, 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 you know, treat me in a way that I don't prefer. What are some of the places that that comes from when people are being perceived as a bully? Well, I think one of the biggest is that we have leaders that um, people in leadership roles or management roles that are not truly leaders per se. They don't necessarily value other people just for the sake that they're they're human, that they, they have innate nature and, and value. Uh, they may be empire building. They're, they're there for the money only. They're there uh, to build their own ego. They, so they could be building their own empire. Uh, so they could be threatened if they don't have, you know, leadership involves confidence in your skill sets, connection with other people and character. And character has to be the strongest element of those three to be a, a strong leader where you're really building up the, the people who you work with and building a high performance team that will provide uh, higher resources and, and income for the company. But a lot of people may get into a leadership position because they were strong in the confidence area, but they don't have the ability to connect with other people and they, they may lack some character qualities. And so they get into a leadership role and, and now it's what we call the Peter principle. They're really good at maybe a skill set but they're not good at leading other people. So they become very toxic in rubbing each the team the wrong way, treating people poorly, uh, not understanding how to properly motivate people. It, it becomes a real issue. So are those character aspects, parts that can be trained? Absolutely. Absolutely. I One of the things I like to do is not only help a company identify what their, their culture is that they're trying to develop in the company, because it has to be intentional. You either intentionally develop the culture and work environment that you're working in, or it'll develop on its own. And if it develops on its own, it's going to be chaotic. Mm. And culture has to be based in values. There's something that you're holding as, as your priority. And sometimes you'll see companies that may even have their values or mission statement on the wall, but they're not living it. They're not, the leaders are not walking in those values. <clears throat> so I think it's important to make sure that the people that are in leadership are in alignment with the, the values that that company is holding and that those policy and procedure decisions that are being made are also being made in light of those values to make sure that they're in alignment so that you actually have a thriving culture where people are seeing the leaders walk the talk, right? And um, then building the pipeline of leaders 
uh, in your within your organization so that as the company grows, you've got people already uh, aware of your company culture, already aware of the dynamics of the personalities around them and are able to step into leadership with that culture and value structure uh, to move the company forward when it comes. If you're not building that leadership pipeline, you're going to become stagnant and not be able to expand, right? Because you're going to now have to go find a leader and you may hire from outside. And when you bring somebody into a team, that's disruptive. You know, there's several phases of of team. And anytime you bring a new person into a team, there's a period of disruption when when we're trying to get to know each, each other and understand the values of each other and how do we communicate and respect each other. And so building character, once you've identified people who have leadership potential, um, and I and I actually have a, a bullet list I work with companies with as to help them to understand who might be a good leader who has that potential. And then there are steps that we go through to grow them and stretch them. And, and that does include the the respect and the character qualities, integrity, and and all of those things of, of what that means. Hmm. I love it. Well, so if somebody's listening to this in an executive leadership role and they're thinking of somebody, one of their leaders who is, you know, lacking in some of these these qualities that are needed to be a great leader, what are some of the ways that you recommend? Uh, the, how, how do they turn those people around? How do they work with them to to get that, you know, sort of get them up to speed? Well, I think coaching is powerful because coaching meets people where they are in the moment, and then uh, they can become more self-aware to understand what are their communication styles, what are their motivators, what are their trigger points, the things that really set them off, what is their personality dynamic, and how do they interrelate with other, other types of personalities to avoid those conflicts. Conflict can be a good thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing if you know how to navigate through the conflict, right? It can be very insightful, can be uh, deeper bonding and and bring about breakthroughs within the company and relationships Uh, because essentially every business is set up on on the fact of serving relationships, providing a product or a service to serve somebody. So I think coaching is the first step to bring bring us in, do some uh, personality assessments and, and to do a 360 assessment to see what others are saying about them and, and, and what their strengths are and what their, their weaknesses is to make sure that they're properly aligned in, in, in their role and who are the people that are surrounding them? Because if they don't have the right structure of people around them that emphasize their uh, leverage, their weaknesses and into strengths and so forth, it, it can make a big difference. I think that's where we begin. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, if somebody's listening to this from the employee side and they're dealing with a bully boss, what do you recommend? How do they how do they deal a little bit more better with that if this work isn't being done at a higher level? Well, that's a great question, Anne. So if you're working with a bully boss, there's a few things you're going to have to do. One, you're going to have to assess, is it worth you staying in that environment? If you're not in a place that to make a change to uh, within the company, um, then then it may be wise for you to leave that company. Uh, so that's a, a decision you have to kind of evaluate and see. 
again, a bully boss oftentimes will have a great relationship with senior management above them. And they don't see what's happening that the people who are their peers or below them see, right? It's completely different relational skill sets that this person is, is using. So knowing how to navigate that is, is individualistic. It's always challenging as you're dealing with that situation and figuring out um, how do I deal with this? But I love that that first question is, do I want to stay here? Is this worth it for me? And it is an employee's market these days, which is you know motivation for those leaders to, to get on this if they start to identify that their workplace is toxic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and nobody wants to admit their workplace is toxic. So it's this kind of hard when you're talking to leadership, you know, to, to for them to even think that that's going on. Again, if if HR is being is seeing a different side of these leaders, but they're seeing a lot of people going out on stress. They see a lot of worker comp cases. They see absenteeism. They see their their employees are working in silos. They see uh, internal conflict. Then there's something going on there that will tell you something's out of alignment. And this is where you we need as a, as a leadership team to say something's happening here that we need to get our hands around and, and really investigate to see what, what's going on. Well, and it is asking those hard questions of like, wait a minute, and this is what leaders need to do, right? Say, hey, what am I doing that could be impacting this and what can I do differently? Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Is that now you wrote a book earlier this year called Heaven Within, Restoring wholeness for better leadership. Is that who you wrote this for? Those leaders that need to ask themselves those hard questions? No, it is geared to the masses, right? It's geared to those, any individual will benefit from this book because it's a vast variety of, of growth lessons and leadership lessons and how the circumstances in our life shape us and who we are. It, you know, it's about the power of words and, and the power of uh, leadership principles, uh, the way our brains design, the fight flight syndrome and how we get triggered even in the workplace or with, us, with families. Um, so I, this book is about healing and becoming aware of the challenges that you have within yourself and how do you deal with it? And if somebody has been abused at some point in their life, they may not be responsible for the abuse that happened to them, but they are responsible for what, how they respond now as an adult later, uh, how to heal. Because all of those hurts and, and challenges that are within us impact our relationship with other people. And this is what we carry into the workplace. We carry, we carry how we respond to somebody. They could say something to us that could trigger something from the past. They, it could be somebody's behavior or personality style that reminds you of, of somebody who was abusive to you. And you may not be even aware of it, right? It's at a subconscious level, but your body behavior, physical body behavior, and your words are, are reacting and causing a, a reaction and a conflict evolves. And it's been extremely insightful for a lot of people. It was a bestseller in six countries. And again, I think, I think the emotional intelligence goes back down to knowing yourself, understanding yourself, understanding what your triggers are, um, finding coping mechanisms and ways to grow 
uh, understanding the people that you're working with and being respectful that they may have challenges, but they're valuable just for who they are. And mm-hmm. how do we, how do we move forward in, in a way that's positive instead of constantly brushing up against each other in a negative way? Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's such a tough thing because it does take that, that pause when we're emotionally stung to say, okay, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. How else could I deal with this other than this snap reaction that I want to? So how do you help people build? What are, what's a recommendation you have for somebody if they're realizing that they have these triggers how do you recommend they they shift that? <laughs> so I talk about that in the book, uh, chapter three, our brain by design. We actually talk about the the, the brain being a, a three a triune brain, three parts to your brain, and the the fight or flight response, and how if it reactions you get triggered, you're going to react out of that that reptilian brain then you've got the limbic brain in the middle that has all the memories and the emotion tied to it and stores and then in the front part of your brain is the neocortex and that's where the logic and language comes from and so uh understanding growing your 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 emotional intelligence understanding your physiological functions and how emotions are feelings and feelings get trapped in cells of your body so you can become aware of how you're feeling just by taking a moment, maybe shutting your eyes and breathing deep and start scanning your body to feel the sensations that are going on in your body. And you'll begin to understand what emotions are happening with you. And you can begin to understand what what's triggering these emotions because otherwise you miss them completely. We're so busy. We don't even pay attention. And where our bodies our body language reacts before our brain kicks in, right? So um, building in that pause that you talk about is essential, but it only comes when you have enough self-awareness of what's happening within you. Other people can see when you're upset or getting angry, sometimes before you'll notice, unless you have enough self-awareness to realize uh, I'm, I'm getting warmer, uh, my, my hands are clenching, my, my skin is getting flush or something, right? You'll, you'll, my shoulders are tense. Something's happening. When you can become very aware, you can then self-regulate yourself much better. You can take that pause and then respond differently. And you'll, you'll begin to understand what those things are that trigger you. You know, is it because you feel like you're being taken advantage of? Is it, is it because you feel like you're losing social status? Is it because you need safety and you don't feel safe anymore? Something they've said something or done something that's created an unsafe feeling for you. And when, when those triggers happen, you, you respond before you know it. But once you realize what your biggest triggers are and, and, and what your body is doing in response to those feelings, you can, you can build in that response time. It's, it, it only has to be 30 seconds, but it's a, that 30 seconds is a long time. If you stop and hold your breath and kind of uh, uh, watch the clock, you, you can actually do quite a bit within yourself and your thinking before you respond. So yeah, those are covered. That, that's definitely covered in, in my book as well. Great. 
Well, and, and it's it's that pause and that moment to say, okay, wait a minute, how do I want to respond to this? And that self-awareness is first. I love it. I love it. Well, CandiceMay.com is the website if you're interested in more information on Candice May, uh, her speaking, her coaching, the consulting that she does, um, and uh, or the book. I'll put that all those links in the show notes as well as her LinkedIn. Candice May, thank you so much for your insights here and your time today. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed dancing with you. Thanks so much. And there it is. The dancing is done. We've all, as leaders, have to look at ourselves and say, how am I being perceived, right? How are people responding to me? And this is the key question for us to ask as leaders so that we make sure we're leading people in a way that's going to have them doing their best work and sticking around. Because these days, we can't afford to lose out any of our great employees. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I am right now, as you are listening to this, if it's in December of 2022, I am dancing in the discomfort zone up on Kilimanjaro. And I look forward to future episodes when I get back telling you how it went. But until then, we've got some great programming coming up for you within the next couple weeks. So make sure you subscribe and don't miss one great episode. Thanks for being here.